0: Dozens of crisp hundred-dollar bills, a military patch with the three stripes of a staff sergeant stitched in parallel rows beneath the pointed top, a worn French paperback, Cyrano de Bergerac, and the Blue Book. Saturdays, when her handyman father had an emergency repair and her mother ran errands best done alone, Nicole was left to entertain herself, the way only children were in the 60s, without ever feeling lonely, neglected, or scared. The minute her father's run-down truck bumped the curb at the end of the driveway, Nicole bolted down the hallway to her parents' bedroom and claimed it as her own. Eventually, her snooping refined itself into a routine that never varied. Check the dusty space beneath the bed, her mother's pantry drawer and jewelry case, the cedar chest, and close to Christmas— the deepest corner of one closet in the compact bedroom. Without fail, she inspected the antique hope chest to see if the contents had changed. She slipped the peach bed jacket over her shirt, its fluffy sleeves swallowing her thin arms, and daydreamed about the meaning of such a sheer and dainty garment. She marched with the soldier's cap tilted on her head. Left, 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 right, left. Her fingers traced the embroidered dragon on the gabardine suit in search of the reason her mother no longer owned a single outfit as elaborate as this one. Nicole never touched the money, but she took the blue book, a French dictionary. Under the cover of night and fuzzy blankets, she practiced the phonetic pronunciations, whispering French phrases instead of girlish secrets into her feather pillow. Every noun and verb transported her to a place miles from Berkeley and its dreary summer fog. Bonjour. Comment allez-vous? Bien, merci. Every phrase meant passage to another reality. Paris. Weeks after the discovery of that blue book, confidence settled in. Three weeks after her tenth birthday. When, at last, Nicole decided to surprise her father, she waited by the back door. It was easy for Nicole to love him. Tall and trim, he was strong enough to lift her with one hand and interested in her. Had she memorized the short Langston poem he gave to her, eaten lunch alone or with friends? Nicole lived for the light of his smile, his approval, his explanations of poetry and politics. He was the parent who played hide-and-go-seek indoors, told her she was beautiful, read to her, and described the Eiffel Tower, tallest of all structures in Paris. To her nine-going-on-ten-year-old self, he was handsome and fascinating, an expert on the world, on Paris. When he came through the door, Nicole jumped into his open arms. "'Tiens, papa, la famille est ensemble maintenant.' spoken to another aloud, her sentence had a choppy yet musical tone. Astonishment beat out her father's toothy grin. He never questioned how she learned this new phrase, the family is together now, without him. He replied as if the most natural occurrence in the world were his daughter, chattering in the language that he too practiced. "'Vous avez raison, mademoiselle Andy,' je comprends. Her mother snapped at child and husband, celebrating the newfound vocabulary. That nonsense needs to stop, she yelled, not looking away for one minute from the chicken frying in a cast-iron skillet. Best to make sure you've got your arithmetic finished, Missy. French won't do you any good in this life. And then the blue book was gone. Nicole searched high and low. She refused to ask her mother the dictionary's whereabouts, understanding that the mention of it was an admission of theft. Had she brothers or sisters, she would have pummeled them with her fists or pinched them until they confessed. In the following hours or weeks that seemed an eternity in her young mind, her father stopped speaking French. He avoided her hazel eyes and shushed his child when she demanded why. Pourquoi?